The opinions expressed on That's a Foul do not reflect the view of any organization to which the host or guest are affiliated or employed. So cow to Erie, a love for his family, short socks and dress shoes, and more great stories from Gannon Headwater Polo Coach Shane Unger. Let's do it! Sports are an integral part of my life, specifically officiating. I've met a lot of interesting people on deck and on the sidelines. From referees to evaluators, coaches to administrators, and players to fans, each one has a story to tell, and that's a foul is the place to tell them. Each episode, we'll dive into personal and professional lives to see how we can all be a little better tomorrow. I'm Chad Packer, and this is That's a Foul. I first met Shane when I was refereeing JOs at Tustin High School in 2015. Lots of stress at those events, but Shane is a gracious host and generous with his space for all the referees. Our paths crossed again when he took the Gannon job and was coaching a term and I refereed in Erie. Through the last few years, we've had the opportunity to connect a few more times and talk about life outside of water polo. We really do have a lot in common and seem to appreciate the same things in life. He's a welcome addition to the Midwest and seems to have found a home. Let's hear a little bit more about that transition in quarter one. There he is. What's up, brother? How are you, man? Good. Turn this up here real quick. There we go. Can you hear me good? Yeah. Are you at the pool? Oh, I'm actually. So we do. We have to. Um, the coaches have to do temperature check stations at Gannon. Yeah. So yeah. they set. They send us to buildings to monitor the temp check stations. Great. So it's it's a perfect. Uh, that's it's like the perfect opportunity to do this because I'm going to sit here for the next three hours. So. How how are things going out there? I mean, as good as could be, you know, as, as possible we expected. But, you know, I just got done practicing with with uh, both the groups. So basically, we split um, our championship segment into two parts. So I was able to run three weeks for each team, um, where we went every day for two hours plus weightlifting and stuff, and we were able to scrimmage and you know get after it as a team. So uh, and I've had no issues, no no positive tests, no. No, nothing because they've been so uh, on top of it here uh, with the testing and all that. So it's been really good. good. Yeah, man. That's good, man. Uh, yeah, I know we had talked about, you know, maybe the summer or whatever, and then all of a sudden it just hit, and you were like, dude, I got to figure out what this is going to look like on campus before we yeah. can get together. <laughs> yeah, no, they've done a good job there. I mean, it, you know, um, the vice president here, I guess he was in his past life, he was like into epidemiology and, and the medicine uh, side of things. So he was able to get with his buddies and produce testing protocols that got the test back in less than 24 hours. Wow. And so before that was something that was nationwide, we were doing that. We've been doing that again since they've been back in, in school. So um, it's allowed for, you know, I mean, they've been in class this whole time. They have an option for remote learning. Um, everyone's been in class. Uh, teams have been practicing and, They've had some setbacks here and there, you know. I mean, there's obviously you're going to get um, some cases and stuff, but no hospitalizations. Um, the kids who do test positive get quarantined immediately, and uh, they get through it and they get back into the into the program. So it's been really good. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah, that's good to hear. No major issues. My girls, my kids are uh, they're in class. They're they're in elementary school, and they've been going since uh, the beginning of September and. Same with them. We're out outside of outside of Erie a little bit, so we're sure. out kind of in the country a little bit. But uh, you know, they've they've been going every day, and it's been great because they needed that interaction with their friends and teachers and all that. So they've uh, they've done a great job there too. We've talked a little bit about it. What's it like living in rural Pennsylvania as a as a as a kid that grew up on the on the West Coast in <laughs> Southern California? It's, it's amazing. That's what it is. It's it's yeah. a whole new world and. You know, if you would have told me that six months or two years ago, I mean, I'm coming up on two years now. December fourth, wow. December fourth of nineteen um, or eighteen. I'm sorry, I pulled in. I pulled into to Erie, and uh, so December fourth here, I'll be here exactly two years. Mm. When my family came in um, February, so I was here three months before they got here, finding a house and getting settled. Um, 
but I mean, the only regret I have is that I didn't do it sooner, to be honest with you. Wow. That's a powerful statement. It is. I mean, and, and so, like you said, someone who, who was basically raised in SoCal and, uh, you know, um, moved to Erie, Pennsylvania, of all places, um, it's been, it's exceeded expectations for sure. So, yeah. you got your Gannon Gator on and everything there. Look at that. That's legit, bro. Gear, man, oh, you do. That's great. You're still working the flat bill, though. I see it. So, yeah. You know what? I try to curve this thing, dude, and it just <laughs> always goes. <laughs> that's, the, that's, that's the SoCal. Uh, sure. SoCal uh, remnants left over, but uh, I mean, honestly, we, you know, finding um, when we before we actually my wife came out, we were looking for a house. Um, we were looking mainly for the schools for our kids. That was our, our first order of business was to find a place that was going to be welcoming and, and uh, you know, um, needed our expectations for what we were looking for. Because in California, we came from a place where my kids were in kindergarten and first grade and they had 35 kids in their classes. Yeah. And these teachers were, you know, running ragged and these kids weren't learning. They were just being babysat all day. Right. It, was, it was frustrating. So when the opportunity came up for us to come out here, you know, I talked to my wife because we were, we were getting ready to go anyway. We were looking up at Washington State because okay. I, have, I have family up there. And uh, I hadn't, uh, my aunt would have been able to get me a job in the school district that I could have, you know, latched onto one of the clubs up there for water polo um, coming from SoCal. So um, we were looking there. But then my, uh, my old college coach, uh, Mark Rue over at Mount Sac, um, called me one day and said, hey, this job's available. I know you're, you're looking to get out of California, and if you're willing to take it, um, you know, with your resume, if you, you know, you just go and interview well, you'll get the job. Sure. And at first, I was like, wow, Erie, huh? <laughs> you know, that's when the whole, he's like, it's in Erie, Pennsylvania. But um, the funny part of it is, and I know you know this, uh, his daughter um, is on the team, Campbell. Sure. And uh, so she was two years old when I was playing for, for Mark at Mount Sac 20 years ago. Wow. And uh, so I have a picture of me holding her on the pool deck when she was a baby. And, uh, you know, now here I am 20 years later across the country coaching her in her uh, senior year of, of uh, college water polo. So, sure. you know, but um, everything about coming out here has been a blessing for us as far as, you know, where my kids go to school, where we live, the friends we've made. Um, the house that I now own that I would have never been able to afford in California, you know, no traffic, no crowds. I mean, it's still, <laughs> I know. the overall cost of living, um, you know, the support that I have at Gannon, um, you know, honestly, when I came here and, I, and this is truthful, I, I wasn't sure this was going to be somewhere I would want to live the rest of my life. And I didn't know, you know, I knew nobody at Gannon. I've never been to Erie. I've been to Pennsylvania before, but never to Erie. So I wasn't sure if this was going to be a stepping stone or if this was going to be somewhere that I was going to want to stay and raise my kids and have my family here indefinitely, if, if that's the way it works. But now that I've been here and the amount of friends that we've made and just the, the sense of community that we have, both where we live and here at, at Gannon is unmatched. And, I, you know, I, I, I'm looking to start a club here eventually once we get through all this corona stuff and you know if i can set roots down and start a, a, a age group program and start feeding these kids into polo a little bit earlier and you know making some extra money like that along with the gannon job you know then we're set here we, we love it so you know it's it's funny all the things that you mentioned that you don't miss about southern california are things that make me anxious about going out to southern california we did that remember um uh, tournament that you guys hosted out at Spire, the WWPA, a couple of years ago. Yeah. You know, there were uh, there were a couple of guys from California that you know flew out to referee also. And I remember driving just that distance up to there from where we were standing. I can't remember where. And this one guy just couldn't get over. I wonder what's on the other side of those trees. I bet there's a farmhouse. I mean, he was just like he was in he was in a, a Walt Whitman or a, a some sort of a poem or something like that. Like he would, as opposed to you know, when you're in California, he's just on top of traffic and you know i still do that i've been here two years now and i still drive around even where i live and i'm just like god it's beautiful out here yeah. you know you look to the left and it's just big open fields um farmhouses you know now in the farm you've got every color yeah. imaginable running through the trees right now and you don't see that in california i know you know it's funny how you said going back to cali um when we went to jails last year that was my first time back there since leaving and 
immediately on the freeway. <laughs> I had like a like a PTSD moment of just sitting in traffic, getting getting anxious and wanting to like scream at everybody because we just don't have that here. I always I say the joke is um, I took a picture when I got here and there's when we go grocery shopping, there's always these Canadian geese that walk across the parking lot and then the road and you have to stop. You can't run them over, obviously. Right. And that was my joke. I posted the picture. I said, oh, another eerie traffic jam. You know, that's that's the traffic you're going to get is we're waiting for the geese to cross the street. Right. They're never going to sit in traffic, you know, and, and back in Cali. I mean, and I love it. I, you know, I don't want to bash the place I grew up because it's it's still a beautiful place. But just from my end, trying to raise a family and, and get my life started, you know, and get my kids in a great spot. Um, it just wasn't the place. It's too expensive. It's too crowded. So coming here was just a breath of fresh air for sure. Yeah. Yeah. There is a different energy. I mean, it seems like when I'm in California, there's just always something happening. It's just in the Stress. air. There's people out. There's movement. There's things to do. You're close to everything. It is. If I mean, if that's your vibe, you know, New York City has a tremendous appeal to a lot of people. Right, right. And that's Maybe people do like that, you know. And, and I did when I was in my 20s. And, sure. you know, um, I wasn't, you know, I didn't have kids and wasn't married. And I was traveling for work. I, I was... I was living in, in um, there's a place in Orange County called Fullerton. It's where Cal State Fullerton is. And, sure. Um, downtown Fullerton area. We call it a DTF. That's the locals kind of name for it. But there's literally like 30, 40 bars, really good restaurants, you know, a good yeah. night scene, music playing all the time. And we lived in that area. I lived in downtown Fullerton with my buddies. So we didn't have to drive anywhere. We could just walk to the bars, That's have a nice. great time, and then walk back home and bring the party back with us, you know. Sure. And so in that in that moment, that was perfect. But once I, you know, once I found my wife and we decided it was time to start looking, you know, to get married and have kids and stuff, we, we definitely looked outside of that area just because it wasn't conducive to to raising a family with, you know, where we were at at that time. So, yeah, well, that's great. The Midwest is happy to have you. Please thank and you. thank you. Excuse yeah. me. Right. You love, it. you love it, man. We're happy to be here for sure. And it's, it's been Whoop. fun. To, to have, you know, to have a relationship with you even before we came out here, you know, we met at JOs and sure. just, uh, you know, creating those relationships and now having that out here. Like I said, I, water polo is such a small world that, you know, you meet everybody in it, especially at Junior Olympics. I mean, I've known Ted at Harvard now for going mm. on 10 years just because team out and recruit SoCal players and now to have him close I mean we we text all the time and we you know we talk every once in a while just to check in on each other and having those relationships is amazing you know so quarter two gives us a chance to talk more specifically about water polo if we think about water polo what, what what would you say the biggest difference between coaching at the club level maybe you know you were at um SoCal right and now coaching at a varsity collegiate level, like what's what's that big takeaway from that? I mean, honestly, being at SoCal was like coaching Division One athletes. I mean, most of those okay. kids on the teams that we were coaching are going to UCLA, Stanford, Cal, um, SC, Harvard, Princeton. You know, they're all going to those schools. So I feel like, from a preparation standpoint. Um, I was pretty comfortable coming into that and, and not being intimidated by the college game because I knew I had already been coaching kids at that level, you know. Sure. And uh, there was definitely, you know, there's always nerves when you, when you make a life change, like what we did, you know, are we going to be happy? Are we going to be comfortable? Then from the coaching standpoint, I came into it. I mean, I had to, when I came in for the interview, the whole men's team was in the interview. <laughs> I, okay. walked in, I walked into so the, the interview process was funny because so I did two phone interviews and then they called me and said we'd like to bring you out for an in-person so they flew me out and they gave me an itinerary they said you know you're going to meet with, with the athletic director Lisa for you know an hour or two then you're going to go to lunch with the current coach um, coach Murphy um, which was another great story because the transition was so great because of him it wasn't something where he got fired or quit he was just moving on within the within the school so um went to lunch with him and talked about the transition and just the area and then um i had the uh, meeting with the rest of the coaching staff and little did i know the uh the teams were in on the meetings too so i walked in the room and basically the whole men's team was in there ready to you know throw questions at me and i had my little folder ready and 
it was it was a lot of fun. They had they had really good questions for me. They had some funny questions for me. One of the kids said, "You knew you were the right guy when I looked down and I saw that you had a suit on with short socks." Nice. <laughs> I had those little athletic socks on. Sure. You know, I was wearing my first suit with my nice uh, dress shoes and stuff, and I had little Nike like short socks on. Yeah. <laughs> because, yeah. We knew you were the guy when uh, when you had, when I looked down and saw that. You know? That's fantastic. I'm rocking that right now, actually. Yeah, well, I, and and they, they make fun of me because if you unless it's snowing outside, I'm walking in the building with sandals and shorts on because that's just <laughs> it's just California. I still have those. Uh, those tendencies and I, I don't you know I'm, I'm kind of like a polar bear I don't get cold very easy so unless it's actually sure. snowing or super cold out I walk in the building with sandals on and shorts so getting to the college game um, I, I knew it was something I wanted to do you know from the time I got here um, the kids have bought in you know both of the teams have bought in we had a great season last year with the guys um, we won the conference you know the west conference um, my first year here the women almost doubled their win total last year from the year before, only halfway through the season before we got shut down. Um, my rosters have grown, you know, so everything's heading in the right direction. And I'm very comfortable in the water polo and the, you know, I run the strength training as well. I do, um, I have my degree in kinesiology. I worked as a, as a personal trainer at a private gym in, in uh, Southern California for almost 10 years, you know, doing sports specific training with high level athletes. Mm. So, coming in here I was able to jump right into that as well and I actually consult some of the other teams on campus as far as uh, their weight training programs and, and kind of sport specific uh, things like that so that's been a plus for me as well because I really enjoy that and it's a good recruiting tool because I tell the kids that are looking to come in you know hey I'm going to be running all your strength training I'm not going to send you to some you know uh, football trainer who doesn't know how to train water polo players I'm going to train you as a water polo player and um, the kids seem to really like that. So, um, you know, between polo and training and conditioning and all that, it was something that was natural for me in the, you know, coming in. You're the first coach on That's a Foul, Shane. Awesome. So I love this, it. Yeah, this is, this, is, this is quite a new switch for me. But, again, something I'm super comfortable with. So I figured, yeah, I'll reach out to oh, Shane I before it. I start I talking it. to other coaches. <laughs> Very cool. Um, I, I love it. When you're on the sidelines coaching, what's something that – a referee does specifically that you really feel like contributes to a fair outcome? I just like referees and, and like yourself. And I'd be honest if I thought you were, sure. <laughs> you know, I mean, everyone has their moments, but uh, I like refs that are willing to explain their call. And, and mm. I understand that if I'm sitting there screaming at you, um, you have all the right to tell me to go sit down and, and uh, you know, chill out but if i come over on a timeout or i come over between a quarter and i ask you hey can you explain that call to me um even if i don't agree with it i will i will respect it and say thank you i appreciate you explaining that to me it's it's when referees give you the, the finger wave or they just yeah. point at you to go sit down as you're walking over you know that to me that shows me that they don't they either don't know why they made the call they made or they just are, they don't have time for you to explain it which in the course of the game could be important because you need to tell your team you know if someone got kicked out and you don't agree with why they got kicked out i need to know why that call was made and right like on. I said, you know, sometimes we get heated as coaches and, and we deserve the cards that we get and we get in the heat of the moment. And in, in that regard, you know, by all means, you have the right to tell me to go sit down and, and chill out. But if I'm walking over there calmly and, you know, I'm, I'm asking for an explanation on a call or, or something that I saw, um, you know, that's all. I just expect the mutual respect. And, if they, and like I said, even if you tell me that this is why I saw it and this is how I called it, you know, I'm not going to argue the call. I'm going to say thank you for explaining it to me. So then I can at least tell my team, hey, this is, you know, this is what he saw and this is what they're going to call. So, you know, it's just like, you know, I played baseball for a long time and um, it's the same with umpires. You've got an umpire who's calling strikes high in the zone, you know, even though they might not be strikes to the definition, if they're consistent with it, then that's going to be where you're, where you're looking. As long as you know that, you know, that he's going to call high strikes, then, hey, you tell your pitchers, hey, he's giving you the high strike or you tell your hitters, hey, don't let the high strike go because he's calling it, you know. Same thing with the referee. If, if they see something on an ejection that may not be to the true definition of, you know, what it is, but that's how they're calling it, then at least we know that. It's, it's the inconsistency that bothers me or a referee that's just not willing to explain their calls. That's, that's kind of what I see. But, um, you know, like I said, it goes both ways. We have our moments as coaches too, and, you know, so – it, the, maybe it's just the way you framed it up, but it it makes it makes a lot more sense to me when a coach at the higher levels is asking about a call 
it's not arguing the call. It's really more looking for, hey, give me your interpretation of what you saw so that I can coach my team. Hey, as long as he or she's going to call it this way consistently, we can adapt. I, I don't know as a referee I've ever thought about. I guess maybe sometimes um, I go immediately on the defensive instead of trying to help explain the call. It's not how we approach it, too. If I'm standing there screaming at you, you know, you have, like I said, you have a right to go from defensive at that point and say, look, coach, chill out, calm down, and maybe talk about it later. But, you know, like I said, if I'm coming over calmly and I just want an explanation, then whether I like it or not, you know, I'm going to appreciate the fact that you, you were willing to explain it to me. Sure. Not asking you to give away trade secrets here, but is it different with the yellow, red, I, I do notice that some coaches will just go until they get the yellow and now the game begins. Uh, maybe that even happened before the yellow red. I don't really know. What are your thoughts on that? Uh, I call it a strategic yellow. Uh-huh. So more than, more than, uh, more than one time I've, I've taken yellow cards on purpose to get a point across and then the calls uh, started to change. So, um, you know, if I see something that's consistently not being called correctly in my mind, I'll, I'll tell the ref about it. I'll say, hey, you, you've missed that call, you know, four times now, and they'll give me a yellow card. I'll go sit down, and then all of a sudden that call starts being made. So, sure. again, it's not giving away trade secrets, but that's the other thing I had to get used to was um, the style of refing in, in, in the East Coast. Uh, it's definitely sure. different than the West Coast. Um, I knew the referees on the West Coast, so I was able to kind of push more before I took that yellow red or, you know, God forbid the red which I have gotten a couple of times. But uh, so when I came out here initially, actually with the men's team, I took a red that it was absolutely my fault. I, I was pushing the ref, not physically. I was, you know, I was pushing the ref because I didn't feel he was protecting our players in the game. It got physical and, and overly physical. And, uh, you know, as it kept going, it kept getting worse. So I kept getting into it. And he said, coach, you say one more word, I'm going to red card you. I should have just shut up at that point. He knew the point I was trying to make, and I, I prodded him, and sure enough, he gave me the red card. So um, that's something that I probably would have gotten away with back in California. Um, you know, depending on what you say, I never, I, I will never um, use profanities at a referee, but I, I know I can get heated and, and kind of, I got a, I got a pretty loud voice um, when I get going, and. Uh, yeah off a certain way so i think once i you know see he he told me hey coach one more word and i took it and i said okay well i gave him you know three or four more words and he threw the red card at me so but since then you know i've i've learned kind of where the where the barrier is and where i need to stop and to where i've made my point and now i can be quiet and you know if they choose to to take that then fine if not then again that's how the game's going to be called and then we have to adjust to it so what are some other differences between East Coast and West Coast water polo? I mean, to kind of lump it into two different sides of the country. The West Coast is definitely, I'd say, more fast-paced. I mean, when it comes down to um, these kids have been playing since they were seven, eight years old. And coming out here, the difference is the, a lot of these kids don't start to high school. So when you see the, the, you know, the level of conditioning, the level of fundamental skill, the athletes aren't better on the West Coast. They've just been playing longer. Mm. And that's, you know, that's part of what I see when I want to get a club going out here because you don't see many clubs, um, especially in this area. There's definitely clubs, you know, you've got uh, uh, Chelsea Piers and, and some of those really good clubs up at, up in the East Coast over there. And you've got some Michigan clubs. And my buddy down in uh, Ohio runs the Moose Club, which he's done an amazing job with. Yeah. But it's just about getting these kids going earlier. You know, being able to maybe start a club out here within three or four years of starting kids at 10 or 11 years old, all of a sudden they work into the high school groups and they've got the fundamentals down. They've got the, uh, you know, the game sense, the awareness, they've got the conditioning that goes involved because, again, as we know, swimming and water polo are two very different sports to condition for. You can swim for days. But once you start having to swim head up with a ball and you have to start wrestling with somebody while you're swimming and change directions and get over your hips and all that, it's a totally different thing. Hmm. So um, to me, that's the main difference. It's just the speed of the game. I feel like the West Coast is a little more physical, and that's where I had an issue with um, you know, some of the refereeing was, was um, just different. I don't want to say it was better or worse. I just had to change my style of coaching to match kind of what the you know what the style of polo was it's 
it's more of a half court offense I see out here. There's not as much emphasis on just speed and, and countering. It's starting to change a little bit. Like with my team now, my men's team, I've got some guys that are, that are smokers and they'll, they'll get out on the counter. Um, you know, and that's, that's what I'm pushing from where I come from. We're, we're, you know, we're looking at how fast we can move the ball up the pool to force the defense into a move. You know, we don't want to just bring the ball down, set up the half court, let the defense set up and then run a half court. I want to bust a counter attack. If it doesn't work out, then we go into our half court. We move on the weak side of the ball. Um, everything's movement. Everything's constantly going. Um, there's not a lot of stagnant, uh, you know, um, sitting around and waiting for a two-meter guy to get the ball or, or things like that. So that's just kind of what I'm trying to bring here is the faster pace of play. And my physicality, you know, I don't mean like cracking people in the face or kicking somebody in the face on a counterattack. I just mean you're getting up into them, you're creating your, your earning position, you're cutting people off on a counterattack to, to force the defense into a move where you can either earn an ejection or gain, you know, um, distance on a counterattack by, by cutting someone off. Um, just little moves like that. You know? So that's, that's how I see uh, coming out here. As is usually the case, the third quarter revolves around lessons learned through athletics and work-life balance. If we think about coaching and, and parenting, one thing that I'm always talking about, even with, you know, just friends or whatever, is that, is that work-life balance thing. What are some things that you're, you're doing intentionally, Shane, to make sure that you are still pulling that lever on parenting. You, I know you, you speak highly of your kids and you've already spoken several times about your wife and how, how gracious she is and how supportive she is. But what, what are some things you're maybe doing now to be intentional about that balance of fatherhood? The thing is, I, you know, I, I go back to California here. Um, I was working a full-time job um, and then coaching. And I was getting up, you know, I was leaving for work at 6.30 in the morning. I would work until 3.30. I would go coach high school until 5.30. And then I would drive down to Tustin and coach SoCal from, you know, 6 o'clock until 9 o'clock at night, almost every night. Wow. And um, it, it had definitely had an impact, a negative impact on my fatherly uh, duties. And, you know, I was missing, you know, and then as you know, in the club life, you've got tournaments every weekend and, you know, you're traveling to, you know, driving an hour every, everywhere. And um, I was missing soccer games and, and it was tough. And I wasn't making enough money to justify, you know, what was what was happening. And uh, it, it started to wear on me, you know, when I come home and my kids tell me about their soccer game and I didn't get to see it. Fast forward to now coming out here, having coaching just be my sole job now. I don't have to go to work and then go coach. I get to go coach for work. So and a lot of the stuff that we do that I'm learning, you know, this has all been new to me this last two years because I've never coached college before. But a lot of the administrative stuff and, and uh, recruiting and things like that are all things I can do at home. Those aren't things where I have to go into an office to do it. I've got, my, and especially now with this, you know, all the Zoom stuff and, and um, you know, we're holding all of our, our uh, coaches' meetings on, on Zoom now. So I can literally sit at home and get 75% of my work done, um, which allows me then to take my kids to school, pick them up from school. Um, help coach their soccer team if needed on the weekend. You know, if, if I'm not gone for a tournament, you know, that gives me time to be home. And even if I want to practice on a Saturday, um, I'm there from 8 to 12 with both teams. And then afternoon, I'm free to go. I can go to my house and hang out with my kids and take them to the park or take them, you know, bike riding or anything like that. And, it, you know, it's a huge investment into into my family and, and you know uh, again you know part of, of how great it was for us to come out here was the amount of time i get to spend with my family now and it's funny because you know with the covid stuff you know I, i've been doing this since i've been married i've been i've been married 10 years now and all my life is known as me being a coach and being at tournaments and things like that so when the covid hit and we were both at home for <laughs> for however long that was over the last few months, it, it was like she was. I'm pretty sure she was sick of me after a while. I was <laughs> like, don't you have, don't you have somewhere to go right now? <laughs> you know, like, um, but no, you know, I, I'm kidding. But it's it's um, it, it's just a, it's a life changing thing now that I get to. And my kids are still young, so it's not like I missed their childhood. Right. I, I did it at the right time, and that's what me and my wife had talked about was. We need to do this for our our kids and our family. We need to improve our situation. 
coming out here has definitely done that. You know, I bring the kids, I mean, not right now, but when this whole COVID thing before it happened, and then once we're done with it, I bring my kids to, to the to the pool with me. They go swimming. They, um, you know, they'll get in and, and do the warm-up swim with the, with the girls' water polo team. And, you know, I bring them separately, and we, we play water polo and swim. And, you know, I, I see the love for it from for them. And, you know, whether they play water polo or not, I mean, my older daughter's a, a stud soccer player already at eight years old. Um, my sure. little one, my little one seems to be the, the water baby. She, nice. she got into it sooner. I started her when she was uh, 16 months. I used to teach um, infant water safe training. So I had a little background in that. So I was able to get both of them into it. But, but Cassidy, my little one, really took to it. And uh, I, I, I see her kind of being the, the polo girl. She's got a natural stroke. She has a natural feel for the water. And she loves being around um, the, the girls and, and the whole polo. You know, and again, whether she plays it or not, I don't care. As long as she's having fun and active and, you know, whatever she chooses to do and whatever Kylie, you know, everyone, if she gets into soccer and really does with that, then I'm going to support that as well. But um, sure. it's definitely improved our, our situation as a family and just getting to spend time with everybody and be able to take trips. And, you know, because while we're in season, it's busy. Um, and that's fine. I, you know, I have practices and I've got um, tournaments on the weekends and stuff. But once those season ends, we get time off, you know, over Christmas, we get a couple months where, um, you know, we, we're still accountable to our kids, to our teams, but we don't have to be in there every day. And, and we have time where I'm going to go, I'm going to take a four day trip and head to Boston and, and visit our, um, my sister-in-law and her husband. We did that over 4th of July last year. And it was amazing. We went, we went for a, we had a span where we did, uh, me and my wife went to Kentucky for a wedding. Then I went down and hung out with Paul, um, down in Ohio for a few days at, uh, at his moose um, you know, club, uh, came back up. Uh, me and the wife went to New York to Lake Oneida with our family for like four days. And then we drove to Boston for another week and stayed with our um, my sister-in-law and her husband in Boston for the 4th of July. Then came back and then we went to California for 10 days because I had JOs and right. we have all our family there. So, I mean, those were things I would have never been able to do um, when I was still living in California under the time constraints that I had and you know, all that. So, again, just just another perk to being out here and, and having this as my, my main job now is the amount of time that I get to be with my family and, and you know, do all that. So it's, it's been a real, a real blessing for sure. So I know your family comes to games sometimes. What would you want them to be most proud of when they see you, like, in your element on the sidelines coaching? My support for for the kids that I'm working with and to see how much I care about what I'm doing. And, and one of the greatest moments I've ever had as a coach was last year at the, uh, the MAWPC West uh, Championship game. And uh, I, I still have the, the game-winning shot on my phone. And the, the first thing that I hear... Um, and just to preface it a little bit, we went in double overtime with McKendry. Um, we were in a position where we were headed to sudden death, uh, which is where I thought we were heading because uh, McKendry had the ball. They had basically, I think it was 14 seconds to try to run a play and score. And then if that didn't work out, then we go to sudden death. So in my mind, like we're, we're heading to sudden death or McKendry's going to win the game right here. And uh, we set up our defense. Um, they, they inbounded the ball from the goalie, and my uh, my Serbian kid Drago stole the ball. Somehow stole the ball, and it was clean. I've watched the video hundreds of times by now, and it was a clean steal. And he took the ball. The goalie was out of the cage a little bit, and you got scoring from half court to win, you know, a championship conference tournament. And the, the first thing I heard on the video when I watched it is my daughter and my wife screaming at the top of their lungs, you know, because they were, I mean, and, and for me, again, for me, and I've been in a lot of crazy games, you know, I've been in national championship games with SoCal, and, um, you know, I've had some some knockdown drag outs with other club teams and, and things like that, but, but to be the head coach for a game like that, where it was back and forth the whole game and comes down to a play like that at the end to win a, you know, a conference title, um, it was uh, the most rewarding feeling as a coach. And then to see my you know, wife and kids, and honestly, the, the funny thing was, was the, uh, the president of Gannon, um, Dr. Taylor, who's an amazing, amazing guy, who's you know, 
done so much during this COVID thing to keep us going. But uh, he was sitting right next to my wife, high-fiving and, and being just as much a fan as everyone else. And just to see the, the support that we had there um, in that game in, in a sport that, you know, is really a niche sport. I mean, it's you're not going to see, you know, the same crowds you get at football and basketball and things like that. But to have the president there and have my wife and kids there experiencing that after the game, um, you know, I've got pictures where my kids come down on the pool and they're taking pictures with me with holding up the, the championship plaque and they're talking to all these people and it just it made the, you know, it, it made it that much better just to have them there enjoying that with me. And that's, that's a huge part of it is that my kids get to see the passion that I have for it and hopefully that translates into, you know, into how much they enjoy their athletic, uh, uh, athletic careers, you know, because... It, it's fleeting. I mean, I'm lucky because I get to coach for a living now, but uh, a lot of people, I mean, you know, I, I, had, I had to come to the front when my, my athletic career ended, and it's it hits you quick. You know, you're playing sports your whole life through high school and, you know, sometimes into college and even professionally a little bit, and uh, one day it's just done. <laughs> so, you know, it's, it's for my kids to, to have a passion for it and to see the emotion and the, and the the ups and the downs that involve, you know, it's a, it's something that I want them to carry on as well. And I think they will because they see it, you know, having them there, it's like if they would have stayed home for that game and, and not come to watch it, they wouldn't have experienced it that. And they wouldn't have felt those emotions and seen how much daddy cares about what he's doing and how much he enjoys what he's doing, you know, and how he rides out the lows and the highs and, and all that stuff and that's something i want them to experience as well because it's a life lesson and you know it's something that we can take into our, our normal lives as well so you know, that's how i look at it uh quarter four is the rapid fire segment shane very exciting so uh we'll start the clock and off we go At your absolute strongest, what were you bench pressing? 405 was my max. 405. I was 25 years old. I had uh, my spotter was uh, he had more belief in me than I than I did at that point. I was I think I had topped out at 350, and he said, you know what, we're gonna add another two plates on there, and uh, or three something anyway. But yeah, so I did. I, I left 405 one time. Jeez. Yeah, so for the kids at home, that's four 45-pound plates on each side. That's ridiculous. I don't even know that I can leg press 405 at my strongest, but that's okay. <laughs> well, I'll tell you straight up, I can bench press more than I can leg press. So, so <laughs> it's just how it is. I need. But it's a typical water polo body for you. I got big shoulders and little legs. Yeah. <laughs> Are you guys a pizza place, wing place, or burger place family? Well, it's uh, – it's pizza place that has wings because we do both. We do order the pizza and then we get wings along with it. So I'd have to say both. Um, burgers, not go. so much. We do burgers okay. every once in a while, but definitely more of a pizza slash wing place. I like it. I like it. The family's heading into town to grab some ice cream, Shane. What will we find you getting a couple of scoops of? When we came into Erie now, we find all these uh, seasonal ice cream places. And the, the one that I got, and I can't remember the name of it, had little, it was like a caramel melted chocolate oh, caramel yeah concoction i'm a big chocolate guy so anything that's got chocolate caramel um little crunchy malt balls or anything like that and it's kind of a mixture of all those so i'm not i'm not very really plain as far as chocolate vanilla strawberry I, I like the mix so yeah yeah i could eat ice cream i almost do eat ice cream every day it's my downfall for sure biggest game in which you've coached so far from the club's aspect, it was the, I think like it was the 2017 Junior Olympics up at Stanford with the uh, 18 and under women's team, where we won the national title against, uh, I believe it was set. And it was a crazy mm. game. And uh, the girls just played amazing. But that was, that was probably, you know, um, I won a few national titles with SoCal there, but that one was, was special to me because I had more of a, a part of, of actually coaching. You know, the other ones I was kind of an assistant. Um, this one it was me and Andrew, uh, Andrew Rowe, who runs SoCal. Um, we had taken that team the whole year, 
uh, they worked hard and, and we had lost a couple of heartbreakers a couple of years before and uh so to win that one at stanford in that facility you know was huge for us so that, that one i remember the most for sure is there a chore around the house you absolutely hate doing yeah laundry the whole laundry thing or the folding or just the whole the whole concept well honestly the folding i don't mind running it so luckily um i know my wife's gonna hear this and she's gonna kill me but she um she actually she's a little ocd and she likes cleaning and stuff like i do the cooking around the house i'm, I'm big into um i cook a lot that's that's my stress relief is, is getting in the kitchen and cooking um she likes organizing so um i'll run the laundry and i don't know if she likes it or not but she always does the folding which is great because i hate sitting there and folding my kids little socks that i have to try to find and you know who whose pants are these and whose shirt goes to where it's that's that's definitely not my jam do your kids have any go-to's when it comes to bedtime stories daughter uh my older daughter's uh reading all the harry potter books right now really yeah she's uh she's only eight years old but she's reading at like a like a high school level <laughs> so um but she's so we tell her every book that she reads we'll watch the movie so we've gone through three of the movies now because she's read the first three books um my little one um she's not really into the stories as much she's just uh they, you know she likes games she likes playing like board games and, and kind of okay. Um, things like that. So that's that's the go-to is, is with you know when it's family time and it's getting we get the fireplace going and we'll throw out clue or or like headbands or one of those kind of games and you know just wind it down. But as far as reading, my older one really isn't the Harry Potter books right now. So. Are you are you pretty good at headbands? Like would like I mean could you could could you go undefeated if you really wanted? Probably. Yeah, I'm pretty good at it. I I, I was uh, you know. I, it kind of frustrates me a little bit, but uh, I just, it's, it's a little too slow paced for me, but uh, headbands is cool. I like those fast paced games where you have to, you have to react quickly. Nice. Complete the following. I'm at my happiest when I'm blank. Obviously with my family. Um, so there could be different answers for that. I mean, when I'm by myself, I'm at my happiest when I'm mountain biking somewhere. You know, for like, so when I came out here, um, actually just a few months ago when the weather was, was, uh, was beautiful, um, I went to a place called, uh, it's called the Kinzua Dam. And it's about an hour and a half drive from where I live. And there's a place called Jake's Rocks. Um, and it is some of the, and I, you know, I used to mountain bike all the time in California, which is, there's tons of trails and tons of things out there, but uh, this place was just magical, man. It was, the, the, the day couldn't have been better. It was like 70 degrees. All the trees were green. You know, there's a big, huge view of the lake or the river, the dam um, from the trails. Um, so for me, as far as just being like by myself, I, I, mountain biking is kind of my, my, uh, my haven. Favorite sports team growing up as a kid? Angels, California. They've been gone through a few names now. Now they're the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim. But, this, uh, so we're talking about the California Angels here. Then. California Angels back in the day. That's when I first started watching them. I, I went to a, I went to a game. My first Angel game ever um, was the Angels and the Blue Jays. And um, Bobby Gritch, who was the second baseman for the Angels, got plunked in the head. And, you know, nowadays these guys get hit and they fall down like they're dying. This guy got hit in the head by a 95-mile-hour fastball, jumped up and tackled the boat, tackled the uh, pitcher and started a huge bench-clearing brawl. And uh, that was my first uh, experience with, uh, with the Angels. And from, this, from that day on, I was, I was an Angel fan. And I played baseball, you know, growing up in, in the high-level stuff. So I was already a baseball fan. But, right. Um, I was nine when I went to that game and saw that. And that's something I always remember. It's just that guy getting beaten in the head and then tackling the court ball the pitcher and starting a huge ball in the middle of the field. Yes. That's great. Yes. That's fantastic. Golf question for you because yes. you're a golfer too, right? Please. You're 175 out. There's no breeze. Big green to work with. Bunker on the front left. What are you hitting into the green to one putt? Eight iron. Eight iron. Yeah, but no you left-handed golfer too? Uh, golf ready, actually. Okay. So, um, and I hit a uh, my natural shots a fade. So that left on the, that bunker on the left is, and I'm going to aim at that bunker, and I'm going to fade it right to the middle of the green on a on a, on a good shot with an eight iron. Eight iron. Yeah. 175 out. That's 
That's a big club. Final question. All right, uh, last one. Sorry. Uh, if you can shout out three people who've gotten you where you are today, other than family, whom would that be? Uh, Mike Rue. He's the okay. one who told me about the job. Uh, Lisa Goddard McGurk, who's the athletic director who gave me a chance here. And uh, I want to say, honestly, uh, Paul Sport. I mean, he, 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 you know, he's the, the club coach down at Moose. Sure. And uh, I talked to him a lot before I came out here about the Midwest and, and the polo. We met, um, I don't know if you have time for a story, but I can tell oh, yeah. an interesting story how we met. Um, we have a mutual friend. My, my, my roommate back in California um, was a Midwest guy, and he moved out to California in the, late, in the early 90s to take a, a job as a teaching a tennis pro at a country club. And we met, I was the uh, swim instructor and the lifeguard at that country club. And that's how we met in the early 90s, right after I graduated from high school. And um, we, you know, we, we were friends from then on. Um, we ended up becoming roommates, but um, he moved back to Ohio um, once he met a, a wife and got married and stuff. They, again, they did what we did. They knew that it would be a better situation to raise a family. Sure. To, to get out of California. So they moved back there and he randomly met Paul Sprit um, through, again, the country club thing because he was teaching tennis at a place where Paul was you know, running a, a yeah. swim program or something. And they became good friends. So um, when Paul would come out for Junior Olympics, uh, you know, a guy, my friend Guy said, hey, uh, my buddy Shane is a, is a water polo coach out there. You should hit him up. And we're like, well, you know, to jails, as you know, there's thousands of people, there's there's hundreds of teams. So the chance that this guy's gonna just walk out and find me without asking around, they're pretty slim, right? So I was at Teston High School at the time, which is in uh, you know South Orange, kind of Central Orange County. I was coaching at Teston, but I was also running the, the pool there for JOs because we had a big 50 meter pool. Yeah, yeah. And I'm sitting in the office. And this guy walks in and he goes, and I think this, I want to say this was like 2014 or 2015 or something like that. And he goes, hey, I know this is random, but I'm, I'm looking for this guy named Shana, Shane Unger. And I was the first person that he asked. He wasn't searching around the pools. So out of all, out of the 35 pools or whatever they used to run sure. JOs and all the people he could have talked to, I was literally the first person that he went up to. And he asked me, I said, hey, buddy, you're looking at it. Nice. Goes, are you kidding me? I go, no. He goes, and all he said, he goes, Guy Schmidt. I go, wait, what? He goes, yeah, Guy Schmidt. He's like, he told me to come find you. I go, what do you how do you know Guy? You know, so again, just these, these random way things work, um, you know, uh, and the way things come for a circle. I mean, so from that time on, every time he came out to, to jails and stuff, we always went out and met up for dinner, lunch, or, you know, um, hung out on the pool deck and talked. And then when I knew I was going to be coming out to, to, to move to Erie, I really used him as a as a resource. And, and I loved what he was doing with his club because he took a club, and I'll be honest with you, when they would come out initially to jails, they were getting killed by yeah. uh, the California teams. But again, it's because the kids weren't starting until they were older. So the, the level of competition hadn't, hadn't you know, leveled out yet. So, um, and then as he kept coming and he kept bringing those teams, last year, I think they finished top 10 under men's team, finished top 10, which is unheard of for a Midwest program. You know, so when I, when I saw the, the level, and he would ask me questions, you know, about what we did at SoCal, and, and he's, he's just open to, to all of that. So, you know, um, I'd have to say that for, for having him as a resource for when I decided to come out here and, and talk to him about how he runs his club and, you know, because I'm looking to start a club too and, and I want all the help I can get. And, and to see what he did with that club in the span of five years was amazing. And he helped me with, you know, just being comfortable moving to the Midwest and kind of what to look out for with weather and all that kind of stuff. So, you know, short answer long. <laughs> Um, he was he was huge for me coming out here. So yeah, I'd, I'd say you know those three people were, were instrumental in that. Mark, Lisa, and Paul. That's a, that's that's great. Yeah, Paul and I are we 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 get together quite often. Uh, actually, I just wrapped a, a scrimmage with them this past weekend. Awesome. Yeah, he's a great dude. He is a good guy. He gets it. You know, he gets, I know he can tweak some people from time to time, but uh, that's because matter. other people just aren't quite as passionate as he is. And I yeah, think that's that's hard for that. people to appreciate. Who doesn't do that? Everyone's got their little moments, you know? Sure. 
Sure. You know, yeah. If you're, not, if you're not pissing some people off, you're not doing it right. You know. That's that's right. Amen. Amen to that. Well, hey, man, thanks for taking time to, uh, to to jump on here. I really appreciate what you're doing. I appreciate the passion that you have, Shane. I know, uh, you know, I know you're making a difference. I'm just glad we've got uh, we've got folks like you and the other coaches in the Erie area that are dedicated to, to making water polo, you know, solid in that area. I'm just trying um, to expand it. If anything, I want to make it bigger. So that's that's the goal. Yeah, yeah. And I certainly appreciate, uh, you know, your, your your love for your family, too. I think, you know. We're probably about the same age. I think that says a lot about life balance and they make decisions. You know, that's big time. Big time. All right, buddy. Well, hey, uh, take care. Stay safe up there. And like I said, I'll 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 get back with you sooner and later about this. So thanks, man. And I, you know, anytime you want, I'll jump back on this. I had a great time. So anytime. All right, buddy. Take care. See See you. So I mentioned I had a story about Shane I'd like to share. When I arrived on deck for his first tournament as a coach at Gannon in Erie, he was coaching his team with this tremendous amount of intensity. I didn't recognize him at first, but eventually made the connection. So, here's the story. Shane's a big dude. Like, the kind of big that you would want on your side in a situation where you need a big dude. And he's got this switch turned on during the game, but on his off time, he's hanging out with his two daughters and just being a dad. It's that same type of connection with other folks I enjoy making. You see, water polo refereeing is just one of the things I enjoy. It's not who I am. And if you listen to anything at all in this episode, you learn the same thing about Shane. And I got a ton of respect for folks like that. I'm going to be wrapping season two up with another highlight show if I can find some time in the next week or two. I'm planning a new strategy for season three, which will start in the new year. Until next time, y'all, be good to the refs. Shout out to our friend and fellow referee Adam Carroll for That's a Foul theme music. If you like what you heard today, tell a friend where to find us and follow us on your podcast service. As always, you can find show notes and other topics covered on today's show on our website, tafpodcast.com. <laughs>